0: dudes, dudettes, this is Raphael from the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and you guys are listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, Turtle Power!
1: You're listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles, your table is ready.
2: Is Long and prosperous. This is a captain. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, well, put the cowboy,
0: would you? What is this place? It's a free show. Hello and welcome to the Sci Fi Diner Podcast. This is episode 178, and I'm one of your hosts, Scott Hertzog. And hello, I'm Miles P. McLaughlin. And hello,
3: I'm M. M.C.R.O. Garcia.
0: And we are with us a very special guest all the way from California, Jeffrey Bridges. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, my pleasure. Thank you for having me. It was great. It's great to be talking to you tonight and having you on the show. Um Let's talk a little bit before we get in. This show, again, just to leave the premise of it, is all about Man of Steel. Minus one little segment we're going to do at the beginning, and that is we're going to drop the trivia in so that you have it again for two weeks from now. If you want to vie for that signed autograph picture of of, of Paulson. Mm-hmm. A Paulson. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, Miles. Why don't you give us a trivia, and uh, then we'll just move right into Man of Steel. All right. So this, this trivia is, what is Star Trek
4: Next Generation Deep Space Nine Enterprise, Lost, and Defiance have in common? And the answer is, well, IMDB is your friend.
0: Yes, that, so, that is the answer.
4: That's not the answer, but, you know. Yeah, that, is, that is the answer. Though. But, but that'll, that'll help.
0: Yes. Uh, it's like saying, what is the Matrix? Mm-hmm. Uh, what? It, tell me about the uh, – yeah. Tell me uh, – they need a code word for this, right? Because yeah, we we, we, we've got to try and stop the spammers. We have to keep the spammers away. So the code word is Irathian. So include that in your voicemail or when you send us the an email. And you can email it to us at the sci-fi diner podcast at gmail.com. And mm-hmm. they will win a signed print of who? Of uh, Mr. Rob Paulson, man of a thousand voices. Dude,
4: that interview is great. He, he, he gave us a fantastic interview. I – didn't have to work for that
0: at all. He was just yeah. he was just great. My my son was just impressed that we interviewed someone from the Teenage Ninja Mutant Turtles. Oh you know, so he was like, <laughs> oh, that's awesome. What, He's been
3: in you know? everything. In everything. I know.
0: I know. So in fact, because he heard the introduction to the show, I had to go out and rent mm-hmm. these uh, Ninja Turtle DVDs from the library. So <laughs> yeah, six years old, I'm watching, <laughs> yeah, I'm watching these with him. So Absolutely awesome, man! All right, well, let's move into A Man of Steel tonight, and we're going to break this down scene by scene. This movie has done extremely well for the production company, bringing in wow, close to six hundred million dollars. That's domestic and foreign together. That's it cost them about uh, cost them about uh, two hundred twenty five million to make. That's the production budget, but. Uh, very well done, as far as that for as far as that goes for a Superman movie. So, mm-hmm. uh, the real question on my mind is: Are we going to see a, see a Man of Steel two?
2: I read a report that um, Warner Brothers was planning to fast track the second one, and hopefully, possibly, to even have it out sometime next year. I don't know if that's confirmed or not yet, but they were so pleased with it even before it came out, and then obviously with its box office success, that they're looking to get the next one out as fast
0: as they possibly can. So. You know, this was a movie that I think it. Uh, well, I was going to give you a chance to speak. Uh, go ahead. Um.
3: Well, half of the half of the purse that came in from this movie was just from the tie-ins, from all the all the licensing. I mean, it it cleared it cleared almost two hundred million dollars the day it opened, just from marketing and from from all the licenses that they had out. And there's still licenses to be had. There's more stuff planned for. Um, for the DVD release, for there's a digital release. I'm sure there'll be a box set with, that I will buy um, two of. There's there, there's the, It's a cash cow because they took the time to do it so well. And if Jeffrey, if they're right, if they're actually going to try and squeeze another one out in a year, that's not enough time. I don't think that's enough time to really put in the effort and to get something as yeah. elegant as what they got this time around.
2: But well, didn't they go oh, back? I would agree. I don't Go ahead. I think that would be a little too fast, but I am I can also see their desire when they've been trying for so long to get DC movies going, to finally have something that they could build on, that they want to get it moving as quickly as possible. I would like to think that they would take a little bit more time than that anyway, but you know, you don't want a, a rushed crappy product.
0: No, that's true. And didn't mm-hmm. this didn't this movie they took a long time in bringing this movie out, if I recall, because we heard reports of this movie what a couple years ago, right?
4: Yeah, there were pictures released a couple a year or two ago, I remember, just
0: um so of they him would, in the so they were, Yeah, and they were really building up to this moment. Mm-hmm. So
3: it was yeah. a nice slow, steady build too. It was a beautiful marketing plan.
0: Yeah. I know you you em, you've just gone back and watched that Gillette commercial again and again and again.
1: Just once.
0: <laughs> just <laughs> once. Um well I, I found the article that uh that, that Jeffrey's uh referring to where it says Regardless of the eventual outcome, it looks like Warner Brothers is supremely confident in the film's prospects as they reportedly just fast-tracked production on Man of Steel 2 with Zack Snyder and David S. Goyer once again signed on as director and writer, respectively. So the Goyer's deal is to write a three-picture deal that includes Man of Steel, Man of Steel 2, and the eventual Justice League which will that will arrive in 2015 or later. So that's, a, that's the article. The article's on Screen rant is where I found it. So,
3: is that when they're planning to put out this second Avengers movie? 20, is it 2015?
0: Uh, that wouldn't surprise me. I, I think that's what I heard as far as the date goes.
3: That'll be one hell of a summer.
0: <laughs> I, I can't see that they'll get a Justice League movie out by then, though. Not, I mean, they're, if, they're, if, they're, if, if what we're talking about, if they, if they do put a Superman movie out next year, which we think is kind of soon... As far as, if they do do that, then that would mean that they're moving really fast to get a Justice League movie on the, the tail end of that, you know, just a year later. That seems a bit soon for me. I
4: think two years is mm-hmm. reasonable. I, I think, they should, I think two, 2015 is when they should shoot for the next Superman movie. It will pro- You know, they, they give them the time to do it right and um, not just get anything out there. Just because the first one did good, they have to feel obligated to get, you know, something out there.
0: Well, Zod's out of the way, so who's going to be the villain in the second movie? Um,
4: how about Lex Luthor?
0: <laughs> oh, it could be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't,
2: I don't see there's yeah. any way it wouldn't be Lex. Uh, to me, it seems like the story is set up begging for Lex to come in and say, look, you can't trust this guy. See what he did to Metropolis. You need to put your faith in me. It seems to me that that's where it's all set up to head towards, so I would be really surprised if that wasn't the way they, they went.
0: You know, with all the intense violent action that we get in our superhero movies this day, Lex does seem a little bit unlikely unless you kind of redevelop him or his minions to be a little bit harder hitting than we've seen some of the Lex characters as being well he could I
2: would guess that they would they would pair him with somebody <laughs> um you know like um uh, metallo or parasite or there's a couple of other uh, brainiac other superman villains that could give you the action aspect of it with the brains that lex brings so mm.
0: yeah well i i i agree i think you're going to see lex luthor somewhere along the line you have to almost i mean he's kind of the iconic villain for superman
4: so. yeah he's always been the iconic villain for superman
0: all right well should we kind it's of just, uh, let's move into the movie <laughs> Uh, talk about the future of it later, but uh, so uh, when we uh, when we get the movies when the movie starts out, where are we at? Uh-oh.
3: Krypton, the most gorgeous representation of Krypton I could have imagined.
0: They they did it right with Krypton. I would agree. Yeah. So so what stood out to you about Krypton? Mm-hmm. What made it such a, a beautifully done? I guess we're kind of talking about the setup, the scenery of it. Um, We've only ever seen Krypton one other time, right? And that's in the original movie. We saw it in the right. ri- original movie. We did see... I mean, it's an
4: interior scene, but we did see one scene of it in Smallville, too. Oh, okay. Um, and
2: but they sort of reused uh, footage from the Donner movies in Smallville, I think, so it was still basically the same sort of representation.
4: Oh, de- definitely mm-hmm. Smallville borrowed from the Donner movies. Yeah. No, no question about it, yeah. Yeah. But- so, again,
0: what made it... I mean, I just... Go ahead.
3: That it wasn't this completely fantastical quartz like. It was terrain. It was creatures. It was atmosphere. It was a planet. It was an absolute, an existence. And it was. Alive, I love that it was kind I of think. a cold open. It was a, exactly. I like that it was basically a cold open. Bam, someone's squeezing out a baby, you're getting some vistas, you're getting a little story, but it's, here's the story, we're going. And then it, it, it was just so much more believable. It was just so much more rich than, you know, wearing big white suits with emblems and being all beautifully coiffed. It, was, it felt like it could actually happen.
0: And jor had a flying horse or whatever it was. Dragon or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. You know what, I, I, I am really glad they got rid of the crystals. A little bit, although there was a, there was a little bit of an homage to it. In one of the, um, I think when they were, when Kyle Kyle's telling Jor-el, or I have it backwards. Uh, but when they, when Superman learning about his origin, they're giving the history of it. You see the his ship that brought him to Earth actually looked like the old style crystal ship in the background. I don't know if you caught that or not.
4: No, I didn't. A
1: care. little bit. Yeah,
0: but anyways, yeah, I'm very glad they got rid of the crystals.
4: The crystals didn't bother me, but I, I, I gotta say, I mean, I like what they did with this. I mean, they updated this. They updated Superman for, you know, the twenty first century.
0: I want to see Zod in a window pane again. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Well, we did. Get- I like
3: that there was more of a... Uh, it was just a richer preamble than than we've gotten in the past. I'm not a. Bi- I was not a big comic book reader of of the Superman. I grew up in the '70s with you know, Christopher Reeve and I watched the old mo the old TV shows and it was all very pristine and immaculate and beautiful and just having this I, I like I it got me from the beginning that it was just much more visceral. It was more than just shiny and pretty. Well
2: even, you even It's know. really interesting that they what they sort of did um around the early two thousands, mid two thousands, the DC comics your- kind of they uh They sort of redid Superman's origin like four times in the span of five years. And as a fan, that was really frustrating. But what they did in the movie is they sort of took um, the redone origin that John Byrne did in the 80s that sort of revamped Superman back then and got him out of the Silver Age and do a more modern interpretation. And they sort of combined it with what Mark Wade did in uh, the Birthright miniseries, which is an excellent uh, book you should pick up sometime if you are interested uh, in more Superman stories. But um, they sort of combined the two of those things. And uh, I really liked the way that they sort of melded into something new that I just felt it worked really, really well. And it was the most to me, the most alive version of Krypton that we've ever got. It felt like an actual planet with real, living people on it.
0: You know, what I found interesting about the way they set up the storyline of the entire movie is, so you start out at Krypton, you get the backstory of of Krypton there, and then once we get to Earth, boom, Superman, right, Superman as he is an adult, struggling to reconcile what it is, and then his backstory on Earth is all told in flashback. Right, and it's jumping to current Superman, past Superman, current Superman, and so they kind of they open up with no flashbacks at all. It's like one continuous story, and then once we hit Earth, it's like all flash. It's like anything you get in his kid from his kid days is all him is all is all done in flashbacks. So I thought that was kind of interesting.
2: Um, I think it it worked better to do it with the flashbacks because. Um, I love the Donner movie, but for uh, especially the first one, but for as great as it is, that first like hour and a half is really, really slow, especially by today's standards. And so by doing it with the flashbacks, you got to jump into um, a bit more of the action, like the, the oil rig scene and everything like that uh, right away. And you get to see the important bits from the past as they relate to what's going on. You know, in Clark's modern life and what he's going through now, and so I think it, it worked a lot better that way, especially for a modern audience that expects things to move a lot faster than they did in the seventies.
0: Yeah, I think I would agree with that. Other thoughts on that?
3: I sorry, much it made the backstory so much more relevant when it was shown in in tandem with with what triggered it.
0: Right, right. Mm-hmm.
3: Uh, I don't know. I don't know if that makes sense or not, no, but that's no, just does, how it,
4: it does. Totally. I also like that um, by updating it. I mean, you, you have where young Clark saves that school bus of children, and his parents are trying to protect him, and so he doesn't get exposed or whatever. Uh, even you know Jonathan Kent, who has um, you know has been part of informing Clark's Superman's you know moral. Um, morals, uh, he, he he questions whether he should have saved the bus or not. I mean, as far as, you know, where, where Clark says, well, should I let them die? And, you know, Jonathan Kent says, um, maybe. That, but then he quickly says, you know, he he abandons that, but even he struggles with maybe it would have been the, maybe the more expedient thing would have to do with to, to preserve Clark's secret is to let, let, this, let these, this bus of school children, you know, drown. And so, okay. um, so, so it was very human. It was very, you know, it was definitely a more, you know, the Kents are more human in this, uh, this version.
0: Yeah. Well, let's jump back to uh, Krypton before we jump ahead in the movie too far. Uh, w- was there anything else about Krypton that, that really stood out to you? I, I, like the, I like the way the Zod comes into the council chamber, just like takes out part of the council. Um, and it was interesting to see, like, you know, you know, Superman's father flee that scene and, and try to, you know, he went and grabbed the, um, what, the codex. I thought it was interesting that that was a skull.
4: Yeah. What well, I, th- I thought it was interesting in, in Kryptonian society, basically, well, um, people don't have children the natural way. It's, you know, they're just genetically engineered and program to have a, a certain role in society and um uh Jor-El and uh Kara I know we're going to just do do it the
0: old fashioned way. Uh Jeffrey, is that are you familiar with the comics a bit uh as well? Mhm. Yeah. So is is this sort of backstory about Krypton and about Krypton society developed in the comics at all?
2: Um yes, and like I was saying before, there's a lot of different versions of it. The, the whole um Babies sort of being born in a matrix uh, came right out of the um, Man of Steel miniseries in the 80s that John Byrne did, uh, where it revamped things. And that was sort of his backstory, where Krypton was very cold and very uh, clinical in that way. Um, so that definitely came right out of there. Um, and the more... there, I forget... I don't know if it was in Birthright that I mentioned by Mark Waid, or there was another version, though, that I remember specifically, where they had... Um, different uh, a cast system sort of where people were allotted, you're going to be a scientist and you're going to be you know in the military. Um, but I'm, don't quote me on which uh, version that came from, but I know that did appear at some point in some of the comics. So it, it was very obvious that they were pulling from the comics and actually throughout the entire movie, it has a very strong 90s Superman comic book um, vibe to it. They take a lot of elements from the 90s stories and uh, weave it in. Um, so um, that was personally... Uh, being a comic reader, that was like one of my favorite eras of all Superman comics that I've ever read, so I don't think they could have picked a better uh, pool of -hmm. of elements to to pull from. Um, It's a very good era, but um, one of the other things I really liked about um, Krypton, if we're still talking about that, is that this was the first version uh, that I can remember where uh, Lara, um, Superman's mother, had as much to do uh, as much of Weight in the decision of sending him off as Jorel did. And she didn't get anywhere near as much screen time, but she wasn't just treated as an accessory either. Right. And uh, it was just as much her decision as it was Jorel's. And she had uh, a role on the council, she had that scene with Zod. And um, that goes for um, Martha, too. Once he gets to um, Earth, she had just as much of an influence on him as Jonathan did. We didn't get that in any of the other movies. So I really like that a lot. This movie has really, really strong women, and they're treated, you know, with respect, and they get just as much uh, uh, weight and importance to the story as the men do. And I really, really dug that because we haven't – you don't get that in not just Superman, but in most media in general. So I was really, really pleased with all of that.
0: That's awesome. It was neat to see the way they tied that in then as well into the end of the movie when in that final battle where, you know, Zod has lost everything he's been bred for. You know, mm-hmm. you know he's in mm-hmm. and, and, and Superman has literally taken all that away. So what does he have left? Because the only thing that he's been bred for, and developed for is to protect the Kryptonian people. And now there's none left except for Superman, which he doesn't count. <laughs> Is that kite. Kind of, so kind of, well, I think.
2: Uh, Go ahead. I think actually, uh, well, something maybe to discuss after if you want to get through the story. But I, I believe that the there's enough clues in this movie that uh, Superman isn't the last one, and I believe there's enough in there setup that there's another one out there. But we can get into that later. Ooh, ooh, ooh! I can't wait to hear that. Dun dun
3: dun. <laughs> dun, dun,
4: dun. I thought um, if if we're moving ahead, we're we're done talking about Krypton. Anything
0: else about Krypton we want to say before we move on? Nope, I think we're good. All right, go ahead, Miles. Next scene.
4: Jonathan Kent has a great death scene. (laughs) Um, The whole—I mean, we're talking about the flashbacks. It's interesting that in this this version, maybe this was explored in one of the comics. Uh, Jeffrey will have to help with that, but I mean. Clark's last encounter with his his adoptive father does not end well. I mean, they're having an argument, and Clark says, "Well, you're not my, my real father, anyways." And all traffic is stopped. Which through. was
3: very Spider-Man-esque. I, I it was yeah. very Spider-Man-esque. Yeah, yeah.
4: Just kind of
1: bugged me a little.
4: <laughs> it, it, yeah, it, yeah, it was. Uh, but the, you know, you know, you, we see Jonathan Kent going out there to rescue people, but he's also wants Clark not to. Do anything to expose, you know, you know what he is. Um, So he, you know, his his ankle is broken or whatever. He can't make it back to the underpass. Um, He just lets a tornado take him out. And so uh, he, you know, we see, you know, Clark learning about sacrifice. I mean, his own adoptive father, you know, makes the ultimate sacrifice there for for him and you know, and for for everybody there.
3: And taking that route was something I was not expecting. There was a, there's a lot I was not expecting in this movie. I knew that it was, in in the wake of Star Trek, I accepted that this was going to be different. That they were going to take it a different route. Um, that they were going to shift things around. And there was, I was not expecting Pa Kent to be, you know, to be very, you can't do that. You should have let him die. Or you should let me die. Or just very truthful, very honest, visceral feelings. Being instead of that kind of candy coated, Boy Scout esque life that I, I love the Donner films, but and the in the in some of the early comics that I've read, it's all very candy coated. It's all very, you know, oh, he's a super, he's he's a he's a he's a scout. So that seeing Pa Kent not being Pa Kent, but being Jonathan Kent, human being was was lovely, and getting that point of view of I, I, I liked the surprise of it.
0: Yeah, and that Co-
3: scene ripped me apart. Though I oh, wept yeah. in the. Yeah,
0: and Costner played in it the movie Costner played it beautifully.
3: He might be relevant again I know a thanks lot to of this movie. People-
0: yeah,
2: yeah. <laughs> let's let's not go too far yeah. okay yeah. <laughs> once um, water time. world <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah but no i know a lot of people had an issue uh especially with uh jonathan in the movie um going back even like the, the first full trailer where they put his maybe line in there and um that was the first thing that clued people in a lot i think that this was going to be really different and you know um to me, I think it's still... It, it works, and it's true to Jonathan Kent as a character because, you know, you can't... There's no parent in the world who would not have said maybe at that instant. And He's not saying, yes, those kids should die. He's saying, I don't know because I'm concerned about you. You're my kid and my primary goal and, you know, primary concern. And so that is what makes it true. It made him a lot more human, and I think it's, it's perfectly in keeping with the character and, um, yeah, the, um, I'm not a fan of the Kents being dead when, uh, Clark's an adult. So I was, uh, not necessarily happy that that development came up, but I thought it was handled really well. And, uh, I don't, I don't hate that it happened. Um, uh, in the movies it's, or, uh, the past movies and in the comics, as far as I know, I haven't read every comic out there, but, um, his death has never been handled like that before. Um, uh, it was always, you know, incidental or another reason or or it wasn't they added a really new dynamic to it that affected Clark a lot. And it was, you know, it was all about faith and trust. And how much do you trust him? Uh, you know, Clark, will you listen to him even when you really, really don't want to? And so to me, that that added a whole new layer to their relationship that I thought made it worth it. That was the first time I've ever felt that, OK, killing Jonathan was worth it because it did a really important thing for the story and uh Clark's character. So, um I ended up actually being okay with that development. I thought they did it really really well.
0: Well, you know, it's not just a heart attack that's happening or some other thing that doesn't seem to, exactly. that doesn't that doesn't impact uh Clark Kent in the same way, but here he's in a sense dying for his family. And 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 some, and that becomes a really big anchor for Clark Kent later on. Yeah.
4: And, I mean, and Maybe even more specifically just for Clark himself. I mean, you know, he knows Clark can probably save him, but he's not gonna you know he's not gonna he doesn't want Clark to do anything to to expose what he is.
0: All right, well uh so what's next? Oil rig, is that like the first big scene that we see uh Clark Kennan?
4: Yeah, we see him on a crab boat and then uh they get the distress call to the uh oil rig.
0: He's getting chewed out in the crab boat, to be <laughs> precise.
4: Right. That was different seeing you know what did, Clark you know do do a job like that. I don't you know I don't know if that has ever been visited in, in other comic books, but.
0: Yeah. And what were you saying?
3: Well, there was there was a I can't, I I did read for a little book club um, a different kind of origin for for a similar origin for Clark Kent, but that he went off and did. When he went to figure out who he was, because he still didn't know. He didn't. He, all he knew was he was different. He was an alien. There was he had not. Nothing had really been revealed to him. And to take these these kind of uh, drifter jobs to just kind of exist. Um, it makes it made perfect sense to me that when you reach that point of I don't I don't even know my real name. I don't even know my who my real parents are. Just to drift in and out of existence and to do what he can to just. He's lost. He's absolutely lost. And, but, it, it starts to develop him into what he needs, what he feels he can do or should do. Did any of that make sense?
0: No, it, it did totally. And you, I mean, you see him cycle <laughs> through job and job. I know that that first scene at the oil rig was probably one of your favorite scenes, M, because you see him shirtless. Look it.
3: I'm not saying it wasn't my least favorite scene, and every woman and man who has seen Henry Cavill in his varietal of shirtless ways can attest to the fact that that, my friends, was the Jenga of shirtless. That was awesome. But getting back to the meat of the matter, which was the story and just how we kind of I, I'm not gonna lie. That swinging open the door and he's on fire is—you know—I'm not cool. kicking him out of bed. Damn! <laughs> but it was—it was an iconic view of of a superhero. It was just boom! I'm on fire! I'm here to save you! It was—it was—it was visually beautiful and stunning. I, I loved that superhero because that to me is when he was introduced as a superhero.
0: I had two movies that flashed through my mind. After he saves people from the oil rig and he's lying there in the water, the way they film, you know, coming, I mean, they're, fil- they're below him, they're filming him up floating in the water. I, w- I thought of Born Identity immediately because Jason mm-hmm. Bourne, same thing happens. And then the whales float by and I thought Star Trek Voyage Home.
1: Star Trek 4! <laughs> <laughs> oh, whales!
0: So, yeah. But, uh, Anyways, steps just aside Ted just thought of it because those two two things happened almost right on each other and then I had a little bit of a problem Superman gets to land and he steals this guy's clothing well
3: it's not your boy Scout superman anymore. I
0: know I, I I agree and I had to he let that raised, go
3: like, he wasn't raised in 1950s well gee, pa.
4: no I'm, no I'm sure it was, it's as soon as he got a job, he just
2: saved a bunch of people's ah. lives. I mean, and you know he's got no clothes left. I think you know it's understandable. You could cut him some stuff. Sli- any any normal human going through a situation like that would go through it. And uh, well, he's not. Yeah, he's he, he just needed some clothes. I don't. I don't. I don't understand the big deal about that yeah. myself. I'm,
4: I'm sure as soon as he got a job, he paid for him. Right, right,
0: right, right, right.
3: Just float a load of guys. You tell, sure. you, you, I mean, you tell yourself on.
0: that, Miles. <laughs> it's in a deleted scene. Right, right. Yeah, he just stole a loaf of bread. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, well, what the next the next scene we go? He's uh, bartending, or he's waitressing, or he's, wait- waitering, or whatever. He's
4: his. working in that restaurant. I, I don't know if he's a busboy or whatever, but, but this is this is where things get interesting. We we, we see
0: start seeing a who's who of yeah. um, Doctor Heckle and Mister jo- oh, Hyde. Doctor uh, Jekyll, Mister Hyde.
3: Doctor Jekyll
0: from Survive. Sanctuary. We, yeah, I know. I mixed it up
4: there. We we get to see a who's who of um, Canadian actors from our favorite genre shows uh, mm-hmm. make uh, you know get guest appearances here.
0: Yeah.
3: Oh yeah, that movie was riddled with people from Canada. Oh, I know. riddled Canada, with BSG. I like Anyone who's been on the Sci-Fi Channel was in this movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's very true. It's very true.
3: Sam uh, O'Pinnicut. Yeah. Hello, nurse. Yes. Continue forward.
0: Right, right, right. But uh, and even the uh, well, in the uh Locke lock, wasn't Commander Locke. It wasn't Locke. It was uh, who was the guy in, um the black guy, the commander.
4: The- oh yes, him uh, from Dollhouse. Uh- yes, from Dollhouse.
0: Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but anyways, but
3: that scene right there where the guy with the truck, the trucker who pulls up and he antagonizes him, and and you get that little flat, that nice little flashback of. It, it's a moment where it brings back that relevant part of the story right and and it ties in beautifully. You didn't have to as Jeffrey said in the in the Donner movie, it's kind of slow by today's standards. Here's a little story i'm going to tell it, minute by minute, timeline by timeline. It was a wonderful little moment where you got to see him deal with something. There, where He was he was totally capable to rip those kids' heads off, but he controlled himself. And then it flashes back to, you know, Douchey McDoucherson, <laughs> and he controls himself. But then as soon as, you know, Mr. Douche opens the door, to see his truck mangled like that was a work of art.
0: It was. It was beautiful.
3: <laughs> but it is. was weird because I wouldn't—you ex- know, if you go back to Boy Scout Superman, would he have been— that bitter and angry. I, if it, it made him a little more human that he took it out on something that he let his aggressions out. He didn't just go, well, gee golly, here's my other cheek. Yeah.
2: You yeah. know, it, there's true. a similar scene in um, Superman two in the diner. If you remember, there's a similar sort of uh, douchey guy in a, flannel shirt that, you know, uh, beats the crap out of Clark yes. when he has no powers the first time. I remember And that. at the end, mm-hmm. he goes back and gets revenge on the guy. And so it's a very <laughs> similar true. scene to, to uh, this scene in Man of Steel, except that uh, I think the Man of Steel one is actually more in keeping with Superman's character because he doesn't actually hurt the guy. He doesn't lay a hand on him. But in Superman 2, he goes back with full powers and takes this normal, you know, uh, human being who was... A, a jerk, yes, but still, you know, um, lifts him up, sets him on the counter and slides him down and crashes him into the pinball machine. So uh, I don't know. It's They're very similar in tone, except the Man of Steel when he doesn't actually, you know, physically hurt a human being. So um, <laughs> I, to people who were complaining about that, I didn't get it. I mean, OK, yeah, it's a little petty, but this is a guy who's still trying to learn how to cope with things. And so, you know, I, I didn't have an issue with it.
4: This is very early on in his... Superhero career, so we, we, we gotta give him a little uh, come a little slack, yeah, give him a little latitude here. I mean, he took it out on, on, on the guy's truck, not on him, so
0: that's true, that's
4: mm-hmm. true. And as a kid, you know, he didn't take it on those kids, he took it out on that, you know, that fence. <laughs> you know, he just saw that fence, he, he's squeezing that, 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 that pole, the fence pole, and you know, yeah. it's, it's it's Jonathan sees it, you know, yeah, you know, just like wow, these kids, no. were... oh god.
3: That's Pete Ross who uh, who offers him his hand, and the only the only place I've seen Pete Ross is in Smallville. Jeffrey is is Mm -hmm. Pete Ross significant in the comic books too? Is he?
2: Um, I just I don't. That's the only other place I've ever seen him. In different versions, he has been. He was always um, he was Clark's in most past versions. He was his friend. Uh, in Smallville when he was growing up and was like the first person that Clark told uh, his secret to that he was, you know, an alien and had these abilities. Um, so it was a, a different twist they put on on Pete there, too, by giving him, um, you know, an actual character, not just being someone for Clark to bounce stuff off of. He was, you know, this bully who was antagonizing him. Um, so that was a bit of a twist on the old stuff, um, they didn't really use much of Lana. Uh, she was briefly in that bus scene. I think they mentioned her once, or she, there was a redhead there who was supposed to be her, but um, mm. they didn't really do much with her. But um, but I, no, yeah, Pete is definitely from the comics, but they they put a very new and unique twist on him,
0: which I like, making him a ginge. Yeah, and he and he and he really isn't a central part to the story. Just kind of a side, just you know, a supporting character. Yeah,
3: he he is there, just kind of sprinkled on like. He's he's like a C or a D level character, but it did. I liked Pete Ross in Smallville. I thought it was neat that that Clark had a buddy that, like Jeffrey said, that could bounce stuff off. He had he had a not a he just had someone. You know, he had a best friend, and everybody needs that best friend. So it was it was really nice to see that to see him pop in because he wasn't in any of the Donner films.
4: Mm. True, yeah, very true. Mm. But we, will, I, I like. I mean, they just use Pete Ross just enough, you know, that Clark had an impact on his life. Well, he saved his life, and then, mm-hmm. you know, you know, Ross came to defend him once, and then we'll see him as we'll talk about later in the movie when uh, Lois is doing some investigating.
0: Well, this is a little bit. Isn't this a little bit? Uh, he, where does where does Pete work? Is it at IHOP? Who's an IHOP manager, yeah. Isn't this, yes. a, isn't this a little bit cliche that the bully grows up to be like the IHOP? You know, his life doesn't turn out to be the I don't know.
3: A big giant jerk.
0: Yeah. That like, he's
3: just, you know, hey Pete, yep, I'd like another stack, please.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and it seems it seems like this is kind of the expected thing, and maybe that is the role of Pete Ross in the comics, I don't know. But it just seems to be it seemed to be a little bit expected.
2: Well, yeah. In the comics, uh, Pete Ross actually was vice president of the United States for a while, um, <laughs> okay. and later, and it later it's like, actually, uh, high, it was,
0: it's like working at High Hop. Go ahead.
2: <laughs> he was uh, vice president to Lex Luthor actually, and when um, Lex got removed from office, um, Pete Ross was served as president for a short term, I believe, in one of the uh, you know comic universes anyway, but. Um, no, I didn't think it was too cliche that he ended up working there. Smallville is a, a pretty tiny town, and so there's not going to be a lot of employment opportunities there, so I didn't really take much of an issue with it. Although I did think Pete served a, a pretty important um, point story-wise, um, showing that um, during the bus scene, when Clark specifically goes back for him, despite the fact that this is the kid that's been tormenting him, and, you know, this, he was absolutely awful to Clark, but he'll still go back and... You know, save your butt and pull you out of the water so um I think that that was a really important sort of defining moment for him and it it sort of ties in later with uh Zod, I think because there are some parallels you can draw between uh Pete and zod and and the fact that what he ends up doing to Zod and what he you know he didn't leave Pete to die so i you can see that he really would not have done what he did to Zod unless he felt he absolutely had to. So I think Pete serves a purpose there to sort of show you that, you know, even if you're the worst kind of human being, he will still go out of his way to try to help you as much as he can. So
0: when this ties in a little mm-hmm. bit, also when, when they're having that fight and, uh, uh, there's two baddies in the town. They're on the street, and the general comes in. They're just shooting at everyone, including Superman. The general kind of orders them to fire on Superman. And, uh, and in the end, he, has, he ends up saving the general. Um, and mm-hmm. and so it, it, it kind of ties back into that scene, and it's consistent with his character then. Right. Yeah. Oh, very good. Well, let's move on. So what's our next scene? Is the next scene up in the ice? the ice cap or whatever they're at. Yeah. Um yeah, where they find I these, loved
3: that scene. The scout I loved ship. where the, the, I love this that they I loved that element. I wasn't expecting that element, but I loved that element and I loved the opportunity that we got to really see the history of Krypton and how they weren't just Dudes on a rock. They were explorers and they were out looking, wanting to better themselves, to understand more, to learn more, to to see what was beyond the stars, which is very much like what humans are. Um and it was beautiful that uh, the, um, the CGI that they used, like for the little critter that followed around, um, that followed uh Clark's dad around, and then to tell the story too. They, just visually, they, it was a beautiful way to get all of that information. It wasn't very—the exposition was, was beautifully told. I am not an eloquent speaker today. I'm sorry. No, no.
0: <laughs> totally understand what you're saying, though, and it, it is well done. And they kind of—when he enters into the ice and finds that ship there, it totally makes sense. And, he, and, he, and, it's, and that's really at the point where he kind of reveals himself to, to, to Lois. Right. Well, she gets I'm-
3: yeah, and that's another thing that she she doesn't meet him as Clark, the bumbling fool in the newsroom. She meets this man, this creature from another planet, and gets to know, understand that. So that at the very end, when you have that moment between the two of them, it it it's so much more delicious. It's a different I, I like it so much better.
0: Yeah, it's a totally different dynamic. Mm-hmm. because because she knows. Yeah, I
2: think
3: And she from, wasn't all damsel in distress either. She yeah. was she was absolutely. so ballsy. We were expecting you tomorrow. Yeah, going back. That's why I came
1: today. <laughs>
2: yeah. <Attic girl>. yeah. <laughs> like to what I said before The 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 women in this were just absolutely fantastic. And I feel bad that we have to draw attention to that, but we do because in so many movies that is not the case. And um to, mm-hmm. for me this was the um, most perfect uh, Lois that I've ever seen anywhere. Uh, in any movie or TV show, um, she just absolutely nailed it from the writing to the acting and everything. And and the, the whole new dynamic of her finding Clark ahead of time and her sort of being uh, part of his inspiration and in doing what he does, it's just, it's just freaking genius. It's the most um, fantastic new twist in addition to the entire Superman mythos that I've seen since... I've been, you know, a Superman fan when I was like 5 years old and uh, it's I just absolutely love it. It's the most brilliant thing. And now when you get to the next one and he's got this secret that he's got to keep, he's got that friend, she'll be there on his side. She can be, you know, his confidant. They can work on it together and she's like his equal from the very beginning and so it's just I don't know, I just absolutely love it. It was it's just brilliant. I could not be more happy with the way Lois has done in this
0: movie. So that's so the way they introduce Lois and find as 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 far as her knowing about Clark ahead of time, that was never really explored in the comics as far as you know
2: No, that has never been done before. So this is something it's else. always just been that uh he'll go you know he goes exploring around the world to try to find himself. He becomes a, uh, decides to become a reporter. He gets the job at the planet, and then they meet at the Daily Planet. And that's always how it's been before. And then she doesn't know that Clark is Superman. And in different versions, he tells her or she figures it out or what have you. But it's never been done where she's the one who figures it out ahead of time. And so that was just – it's just brilliant. I love it. Mm.
0: Yeah. I, I agree. I thought it was. I thought it was well done, and I mean, it really does start the investigation of the when, when she meets him up there in the ice, and then she kind of traces him backwards after her story gets leaked, or she kind mm-hmm. of shares her story, and then no one wants to publish it. And um, yeah, uh, I
3: I love. Um, um, oh my god, I've blanked on his name. He's just the most delicious guy actor ever. Um, come on, IMDb, help me out. Lawrence Fishburne. Yes. <laughs> what? I mean, he's he was he's beautiful. He's absolutely perfect. I I I can't imagine. I just can't imagine another Perry White.
0: Yeah, hello, was, Morpheus.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, I I had a slap. You know, when you saw the Bubble Babies and then you saw Morpheus, I thought, yeah. all right, all right. I had to get it out of my head for a minute. Yeah. But. I liked his I liked that he wasn't the the 19 like the old-timey news director. Right. You know, well, we got to get this and we got to get that or like Jay Jameson, he's he, he's very cartoony in the movies. Right. But I, well, in the previous Spider-Man movies that I did not like um to so to have again, the entire story was told just so humanly and and everyone kind of, in a general sense, it was considered very dark, but to me, it just was very human and very real. Mm. And I like his little tête-à-tête with, um, with Lois, and she was—I could go on and on. It That's a whole other show about Lois. Mm.
0: The Lois mm-hmm. show. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, now, who was the, the guy that she kind of gave the story to because Perry White wouldn't uh, publish it? He was a, he's some well known actor too. The blogger. Yeah, I'm not, sh- the, not sure. I should know.
3: I can't remember.
0: Come
4: on.
3: Is I it Glenn even, Woodburn?
0: I don't know. I should know. Glenn,
3: Wo- Glenn Woodburn is the character. He was, I'll tell you the truth, he was unremarkable. I, the fact that I had to look him up and I still question re- whether I this is the right guy him. or not.
0: I, I, reckon, I recognized him though, but all right. Not a, not a big deal. We can move on. But
3: he just seemed like he it he needed to be there to give her a place to put the story. Uh, I, I I I again he was unremarkable.
4: He served he served a purpose for what
0: was needed. That was about it. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on. So oh, so we're go ahead.
3: We're up in the ice. She finds him on the on the ship, and he's... I, I just this is you know. I need you to hold my hand because this is going to hurt. And I, I cringed in my seat because oh. I could just imagine, you know, giant, big, fiery eyeball lasers drilling a hole in you to cauterize all of your bleeding. Ow. It, and then I wasn't sure where, how he was going to get out of there. So when the ship comes out, it was great. I loved that you had that moment of everything shaking and um, Gaeta was still asleep through <laughs> <for> most <laughs> for the first part of the earthquake. And I, I the, whole, again, it left me in a point where I was like, what are they going to do next? How are they going to solve this? How is he going to get out of there without Lois? And that's when they find Lois on the ice floe. And that's when she goes to Perry and she tells him the story. And he's like, no, no, yeah. there's no way on this earth I'm telling that story. Yeah. And that's when she leaks it to Woodburn.
0: And that's when she gets her three timing? weeks leave.
2: yeah,
0: Unpaid leave. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, which, of course, is three weeks no. out of paid leave, then sets her on this quest to figure out who this man is. Is that correct?
3: It, yeah, but it felt really fast. Like, she found him very quickly, or it's just because they have to She's do it that the good. movie.
0: She's that good. I don't know.
3: Ah, the internet. Yeah.
0: <laughs> but yeah. A Siri. Let's ask Siri. Where is Clark Kent? Siri. <laughs>
3: <laughs> yes, that's precisely what she did
0: yeah, she she sered it, but uh, yeah, he oh, and she, then she go gets
3: ahead. well, she gets that next moment with Clark where she finds his father's grave and he's just kind of there quietly, and he's already figured out who he is, and then that's when like the action really starts. that's when you've tim for me, that's when you've reached that part of the roller coaster where you're just over the top and you haven't been released to. To take the ride yet?
0: Mm, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. And what happens, so the whole Clark, the whole visiting Clark Kent's grave scene um, really does kind of set us up for-
3: Jonathan Kent's grave. I'm sorry.
0: Yeah, what did I say? Clark Kent. Clark, Kent's Clark. Kent. <laughs> He's visiting his own grave. No. Um, the, uh, it does set us up for, because Zod comes, does Zod come immediately after that? Is that where we see him?
3: It's after the ship, because he said it was the ship that sent out a homing beacon or a distress beacon.: Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, and that's how Zod found him, and then we get the introduction after the he chats with Lois. Lois goes back and says the story went cold, everything's gone, And it's just after that that we oh, get yes. that creepy that that left my left my gave me um, goosebumps. that was eerie. But deliciously evil.
0: When they had that mixed signal on the uh, TV screen type thing going on. Yeah, that was pretty eerie.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Which I've seen before. That's been done before, but it was it was. It doesn't diminish just how incredibly creepy that was. <laughs> I'll tell you where they've done that before: the wonderful 1980s classic V. Where lizards come down and eat your pets.
0: Oh, yes. And, and you. are mousy, 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 mousy.
3: Yes. Uh, that's <laughs> another show again.
0: Yeah, it is. It is. So
3: then it's it's there in the story where I'm curious, has Zod been portrayed this way before in the comic books? Is this at all, is this complete, like they've done with Lois, is this completely new? Or is this just an engineering of... Mm, the best parts of different yeah. stories together to make what we saw.
2: It's sort of that Zod is one of those characters that they've done, like, six different versions of, and they're completely... One of them, he wasn't even Kryptonian. He was just this dictator in a powered suit from a Middle Eastern country on Earth. So it's... Um, one of them, he lived in a pocket dimension, and uh it's... it's They've done so many different versions of him, but um the sort of classic version is that, you know, he was a general on Krypton. Um, They didn't do much with him in the uh, Donner movies. I mean, Terrence Stamp was great, but his character had no motivation or no actual character. He was just evil because he was evil, and that was it, you know? So um, Mm -hmm. uh, they've sort of done bits of it before, but uh, not exactly in the way that the movie did it. So there was definitely some influences from certain things in there, but it was mostly, I think, sort of their own... The way they tied device. it in with the um the the birthing stuff and the you know being set from birth and what you're going to have to do i I'm tying Zod into that. I believe that was the first time that's ever been done and that uh, I think that worked really well and gave him that that really great motivation um and it also an interesting thing I noticed is that he was um it made him you know really really self righteous and that he knew this is what he had to do this was his purpose and he uh and Feora. Uh, They're the only two people in the movie who are self-righteous in any way. Every other character has doubts, has fears, has inner conflict that they have to deal with. And so I think it's very telling that you find that the only two people that don't, that are completely self-assured, are, you know, the villains that cause, you know, wanton destruction and everything. So I think that the movie makes a pretty strong point there about the importance of, you know examining yourself and your actions and your life and what you should do and, yeah. um, you know, stuff like that. So. Yeah,
0: t- totally agree with that. It's interesting because at the same time that Zod and his cohort are doing this, you feel a little bit of sympathy for him, at least I do, because you realize, like, at the beginning when he busted into the council chamber and killed his people, he was doing this for the—he was trying to save Krypton. And um, even though it was done kind of in this negative way and not in the way that, you know, his his cousin or brother would have done it. Uh, but and then on Earth, he's still trying to save Krypton. He's still trying to reestablish. He's trying to find the Codex because he wants to save and reestablish his people. And so even though he wants to commit this intense atrocity by wiping out humanity to do so, he, he he's at the same time, he's not doing this purely out of a selfish motivation.
2: Right. Uh, he's, he's the best kind of, of bad guy as far as I'm concerned, and those are the ones that believe they're the good guys. They're, oh, yeah. You know, they may do things that you don't like, but they're doing it because they think it's for the greater good or whatever, and so I find that uh, those to be the best kinds of villains. Oh, yeah.
0: Absolutely.
4: Yeah, definitely more complex. I mean, he's not a two-dimensional baddie. I mean, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, you And... and A baddie that you can kind of, if not sympathize with, at least understand.
0: You know he needs to be stopped, but you understand why he thinks he needs to do what he's doing. Mm -hmm. Which which
4: makes it more interesting.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Okay, where are we at in the movie?
4: Well, did did, did we see... We didn't talk about Superman flying yet and and, and in the suit.
0: Oh, no, we didn't. Mm -hmm. So... Um, the
3: suit. We haven't talked about the suit. Let's talk about
0: the suit. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> em, why don't you go ahead and talk about the suit?
3: I know you're expecting me to go all gushy about Hubba and all that, but it was it was really smart what they did with the suit. That you saw it from the beginning. That it wasn't just made from a blanket that his mother put in his starcraft, it was it's part of what they wear out of protection it's part of their uniform their life that's what they wear on this planet that they terraformed and you can't expect the terraforming to be perfect so what better way to to make sure that you you that you adapt well than to make sure that your garments do the same thing and that it's not just blue underwear it's it's his. It's his under armor. It's it's what he needs to protect himself and survive. Even though on Earth he doesn't really need it, but it's it's this. It was this beautiful layered armor that that you saw in the beginning on the Kryptonians, and then when Zod came, they also had that layered kind of Klingon elegant Klingon esque style, and then there was that underlying. This is my under armor. This is the skin that will protect me from everything. I didn't really care that there were no red underpants, that there was no big yellow belt. It 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 made sense. It all made sense. It wasn't just because because that's the way it is. It's there was a reason behind it.
4: I like the new costume. I, I mean, I, unless it was in the comic books or the animated series, let's, the traditional costume with the red underpants looked silly, and so. Um, I, I, I like what they did with it. It's still, it still, they updated. It looks badass, but it's still, it's still Superman. And even the the emblem itself, um, you know, they, 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 it's not just a letter S. It's actually a Kryptonian symbol for for, for hope, and it's also the 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 um, the emblem for the you know the you know Jor El family.
0: Yeah, I thought that was nice.
4: So it, 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 everything had a purpose. I mean, well, the, well, the cape, I guess, was just so because it looked cool. But, but the rest of it, you know, definitely, ha- you know, it was not just to look cool. It it, it, it had a purpose or something.
0: I really like this outfit. You know, I, I like the, the sleekness of it. I like the the way it, the way it looks. I, I, it's just a, it's a great update to the Superman mm-hmm. outfit, in my opinion. But, but it, it makes the, um, sense. It's symbol. not just
3: a suit for the. Oh, sorry.
0: That's
2: okay. Go ahead.
3: Well, no, it just like it's it's not just because it's canon and it is. It looks like this because of this engineering or this history. It right. it I don't like to just be force-fed something. Well, this is Leia wears buns on her head because that's the way it is. No, there's a reason behind it. And I I I I love I I think it was great that they built that history behind it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, if you remember in the uh original Donner movie, he just goes into the fortress and then like, you know, 10, 18 years later, he just flies out of it with a suit and you're like, what? You're just is supposed to accept it. That's just the way it is. It That didn't, I never liked that. So I, I do like that they um, made a story reason for it um, and tied it in, you know, with um, Krypton and everything. And um, the symbol meaning hope, um, that's right out of one of the um, origins I mentioned earlier from uh, Superman Birthright. That was written by Mark Wade, So that was, that's directly out of that comic. But um, I like that they used it and they tied it in uh, with everything that way and had all the different symbols sort of mean different things for the different people that they wore on the, their different houses and stuff. So uh, I really like that a lot. And it gave a lot more culture to the planet, which is part of what helped it feel so alive, all the detail that they put into it. So
0: Yeah.
4: And you then, look, go ahead. I was going to say, um, and then shortly after he gets to the costume, we, we, we get
0: to see him fly for the first time. That's pretty awesome. And mm-hmm. him learning to fly, like him jumping and like <laughs> totally
1: face <laughs> that was Yeah.
3: <laughs> but his hair, that Kryptonian perma hair, not a hair out of place, which is what exactly what we all caught on the first viewing of this movie, that he just crash landed and made a divot the size of a small Winnebago, <laughs> not a hair out of place. Yeah, yeah. So that is some serious Kryptonian hair gel he's got. He's <laughs> rocking.
0: That's hair of steel, not man of steel, hair of steel. <laughs> <laughs> Uh what did you did anyone see the rumors of uh, when he first flies about there's a split second where they superimpose Christopher Reeves' face over Henry Cavill's face? I, I didn't know that. I've no. seen
2: the, the animation of that, but I'm not sure that I see it in there. I suppose it's possible, but I, I wasn't really seeing it. I'm like, you kinda have to stretch to think that looks like Christopher Reeve in there to me, but
0: Yeah, I guess and if you see some of the still shots they they show of that? It looks like Christopher Reeves, but I need a little bit more. I think I what I need to do is get this on DVD and walk it through frame by frame in order to decide for myself. Like on high definition.
3: See, Henry Cavill has a lot of the same facial structures that 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 Christopher Reeve did. The the set of his jaw, the shape of his eyes, believe me, I looked. Um <laughs> the shape of his nose. It just he 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 has the look. And that's, um, that's just a load of horse shit I'm just going to call it out right there you know yeah. listeners feel free to, to fire back at me but that's a load of crap
0: yeah I don't know I don't know I think we need uh, I think I need I'm not saying it's not I, I find it interesting let me put it that way but, um, what did you think of his flying as far as the, the overall flying compared to like the other movies it's, it's updated and I really like I thought it was pretty well done
4: Oh,
3: it was, I like that he grinned like a little kid. Like, oh my God, look what I can do! I'm flying. That was fun.
4: That that was cool. Um, when he when he when he first, you know, he doesn't always have to do this, but when he first jumps up to fly, the ground cracks around him. Yeah,
3: that was a neat effect. That kind of that that shimmy that that he took. He kind of he didn't just jump. He pushed off the planet and. Yeah. Wouldn't be surprised if we're off by a half a degree right now every right, time right, he jumps right. up off
0: the planet. Well, you know, that, and that was very Matrix-esque. When you talk about, like, the way Keanu Reeves or you know, Neo kind of pushes off the ground and ripples out underneath him, kind of that same effect.
3: I know Kung Fu. Yeah. <laughs>
0: no. Yeah, no, no, not that. But
3: No. <laughs> <laughs> we, we're we not going to use the K-word when we're talking about Superman. No, no,
0: no, we shouldn't. <laughs>
3: no. <Yeah. laughs>
0: You're the one, Neo. But all right. Um,
3: <laughs> I do Shakespeare. I'm deep. No, yeah, you're not, Poodle.
0: Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so did
3: any of you catch? Go ahead. I, I mean, I know you saw that the the Core on the oil tanker, but and did any mm-hmm. of you catch the Wayne um, Enterprises oh, logo? Yeah.
0: Oh, where was that? The satellite. Oh, the satellite. It on was a satellite. on the satellite, Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't remember. I totally jumped. I was
3: so excited.
0: See, I need to go back and watch the movie again. I
3: was so, so excited when I saw that, because it it gave me that hope of someone's going to call Joss Whedon and go, hey, can you do Justice League,
0: too?
4: (laughs) It's going to take somebody like Joss Whedon to do Justice League. Yeah, to make it
0: proper. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so he's flying, and uh, now what?
3: So now he... uh, Zod comes in and you know don't be afraid uh, just turn in the alien and I'll leave you alone <clears throat> not really um, and then Superman turns himself in not to Zod but to the human race and says do what you will with me because he decides I the, I guess at that point is when I thought he decided to trust humanity and how they would react Is does that seem about right?
0: yeah mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not certain that he's entirely. I guess that whole idea that you have to make a leap of faith first is kind of played out. Is kind of yes. played out by that he turns himself in to humanity, and and then then shows that even though the handcuffs like are for humanity's benefit, and then he breaks them and says, "Look, you really you really aren't holding <laughs> me here, guys," you know. It, that's I,
3: the point where they start talking about the emblem, too, and Lois is about to say, well, it could be for... Si-, and they stop her right there. I know, I know. That yeah. gave me a little joy in my heart. I like that.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that was that was good. And then Zod shows up and takes both Amy Adams and him.
3: Yeah, it's Fayora, and that's when we see some... I, I loved the kit that they had to wear because they're they they couldn't... The the atmospheres were incompatible. I thought that was kind of
0: cool. That
3: that. was it was it makes sense. Not every planet just because he's there he's Superman and he he can adapt anything. It doesn't the assumption that he wasn't that they could just walk onto this planet without any breathing problems. I loved that that little touch of science that someone thought of. But the gear that they wore was epically designed. And the ship. It reminded me a little of, um, and a lot of the sound effects, too. Did ILM help them with that? Because there were a lot of sound effects that were like, oh, look, it's a land speeder. Oh, listen, it's it's a TIE fighter.
0: Yeah, I don't know if I, we could uh, probably IMDB it and find it, but. Mm-hmm. See if they helped. You know, that whole thing about the the whole breathing thing. I love the way that they tied that in. His mother at one point talks about how she sat by his crib listening to him struggle to breathe. I thought it was a great it, tie in. Great tie in back back to that. Um, Jeffrey, this is a question back to you. Um it's, was, was that whole breathing thing ever addressed in the comics about it being a different atmosphere in a different place, or is it just I mean other than the superpowers and him having strength because it's a weaker gravity planet, did they ever address like breathing issues and stuff like that?
2: Not to my knowledge. No. Um, it's, it's been done a couple of different ways. Like in the original, uh, comic strips, the, um, rocket just lands in the middle of the desert and he hops out in full suit and that's it. He's just Superman instantly. Um, <laughs> and then there's, a. uh, uh In the 80s, they sort of did it where he got his powers during puberty. They sort of developed as his body developed that way. Um, So it's been done a few different ways, but I don't think I've ever seen it uh, where the atmospheres were drastically different and they couldn't breathe or anything like that. It was, um, yeah, at first, uh, too, he got his powers initially because, uh, like way back in the 30s and 40s, because um, the gravity was different on Krypton and Earth, and so that's why he could leap, you know, so far. Initially, he couldn't fly. He could just leap really far. And uh, his skin was, like, extra dense because of the, the gravity issues on Krypton or whatever. So um, I think it was sometime in the, the Silver Age when it's they sort of switched it to being because of the sun. Um, but I've, to my knowledge, they've never done anything with the atmosphere on it before. Yeah.
0: Em, you were going to say something. I'm sorry I cut you off.
3: No, no, not at all. That's what... I'm. That's the whole reason I said we should get Jeffrey because he is – he's the Superman codex. Yeah.
0: That's very true. <laughs> it's very true. See, he lives as long in- as I have known
3: this man yeah. – <laughs> exactly. As long as I've known this man, he could whip out any fact about Superman at any given time. And it, it, that's, I, I couldn't imagine uh, anybody it. but Jeffrey. <laughs> Look, I'm, I'm, my, I'm not lying, and I'm not sugarcoating, and I've known you long enough. I don't have to kiss your ass anymore.
2: Come on. <laughs> no, 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 no. I would just say Damn. now you're going to be, like, asking me all of this, you know, minute trivia, and I'm not going to know, and then I'm going to look bad. So. Right, right, right.
1: So in episode six of the Golden Age, <laughs> yeah. in the Golden Age, when Superman picked up a pen, is right. it a black ink pen or a blue ink pen? <laughs> and is it erasable? Because it, it was in the 80s. <laughs>
2: It was red.
0: It was red, not black or blue. That's right. Sure. Uh, where are we at? Let's get back to the movie. We're on the ship. So
4: even on the ship, I mean, uh, Superman has trouble breathing. And he, he
0: loses all his powers.
4: He starts, you know, blood starts coming out of his mouth. Yeah. So it's, you know.
0: And we get that creepy scene where they've terraformed Earth and he's standing in skulls. Mm-hmm.
1: In that oh, scene. awful,
3: awful. Yeah. What a go- just a, a hideously beautiful scene. Yeah. But and we it, missed the whole key thing. We haven't even talked about the little oh, key that he got that key, came though. with them.
0: So let's talk about the key. And he
3: very, mm-hmm. the key that is so much better than a green giant crystal that you can't slip into your pocket or wear as a necklace. Yeah. Yes,
4: yeah, so that key's a little I more liked horrible. that
3: concept better, that it was, oh, me too. it was this genetic, well the codex went into him, but just to have that Kryptonian metal and it was not only just a key that it was like it was a s it was a an alien USB drive.
0: Yeah, really. Really that's probably the uh, I bet they, I bet they make USB drives of that key somewhere.
3: I want it. I would buy it. Yeah. S- sign me up. Yeah. I want a USB drive that looks like that just cuz it's superman.
0: It is. Just cuz. You know, he he wakes up from that dream and is totally powerless to do anything about it.
3: And that doctor guy, I I know I swear I've seen that man before in in other films, but always in the same character, creepy, bald, glasses wearing evil doctor who's ready to just you know turn you into a science
4: experiment i, I was looking at his imdb page and he actually that's mckenzie gray right jack's or he, yeah he was in a he was in a couple episodes of smallville but in one of them he played a lex luthor clone but an older you know clone that had aged so
2: um Ooh. you know interesting uh Okay, see, this is where I'm going to prove M right now. Interesting tidbit about uh, Jaxer. In the comics, he, um, when he lived on Krypton, he, in different versions, either destroyed one of Krypton's moons or tried to. And if you look at some of the early scenes in uh, on Krypton, you can see damage to, like, one of the moons flying around in the sky from Jaxer. So I thought that was a really, really subtle, deep, deep, deep nod for Superman geeks like me. So no one else would have noticed that, but... It was there.
0: It was definitely there.
4: So in in, in the comics, I mean, what what Jack Zor was like this, this Kryptonian mad scientist that kind of worked with uh, Zod.
2: I don't believe he ever actually worked with Zod. He might have in in a few versions that I haven't read, but as far as I know, he never actually did. Uh, he was just another criminal that uh, from Krypton that you know got sent to the Phantom Zone or mm-hmm. what have you. So okay.
3: He, he I think he was just, he was one of those people sentenced and the ship probably only comes a right. certain amount of times. So they were just all on the, it was just happenstance that he happened to be there. And what luck, we have an evil scientist to go with an evil genius, an evil general. Perfect. Yeah. Match.com, you've you've succeeded again.
0: Yeah, definitely.
3: <laughs> I would have liked to have seen a little bit more of that, but I I, I only knew him... Slightly because I've seen him play baddies before and I and it wasn't until well after the movie. Someone had mentioned to me um, who he was.
0: Yeah,
3: I I like the baddies. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Um, that whole getting into his cranium and getting the story and all of that just there's it's just so neat. I love the way this was woven together.
0: Yeah. So we're on the ship and uh, what happens next Well, sometimes.
3: Oh, um, Lois gets the Lois puts the key in the little key thing, and Dad shows up to save the day, and he he was.
0: That's great when they're walking when they're they're walking through the ship, and he's like slamming doors. He's like, "Shoot here!" and you know he's doing that kind of directing her. (laughs) Turn left. Yes. uh, Turn right. I thought that was really well done. Duck to the left. Yeah, I thought that was really well done. Um, Just to see the way that that kind of he uploaded himself into the computer and that kind of rewrote everything. So I thought that was well mm-hmm. done. But, and it makes sense then why, why, why Zod then takes the scout ship because the ship that he was flying in has been compromised a little bit later on. Yep. Um,
3: well, Zod had taken off for the scout ship to be uh, uh, after he was in Clark's brain. At, right. Because he needed that because it had all the little bubble babies in order to... He was going to turn the planet into new Krypton... And he needed the bubble babies to help repopulate. Yeah. So I think he'd already left by the time um, uh, Russell Crowe. Why can't I think of his father's name? That's not nice. Jor-El change, starts to change the atmosphere. He starts to change things so that um el can recover and then punch through. And then there, the I was so deep into this movie and then they had to do the whole like to me, being a Catholic, it drives me nuts when they give you that kind of Jesus. What's the word I'm looking for? Just that Allegory. moment of his arms stretched. Yes, that moment of I'm going mm-hmm. to sacrifice myself and save this planet. Ah, that drive. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm just a little sick of that.
2: Mm.
3: And I yeah, was they really, laid that on.
2: I, it was it was laid on really thick in Superman Returns. Um, and they did it again here. It, there's several other instances, if you notice, that um, uh, he's uh, 33 years old, he says, "Oh yes. and uh, handing that. himself over to um, the people and letting them decide his fate. There's a whole lot of them. And I, I read an interview with David Goyer, who is Jewish, by the way, but he said that uh, he felt that the, the similarities were so... Um, I don't know, prevalent that he felt it was better to just embrace it rather than try to ignore it. Personally, I I think Superman Returns overdid it for me. And after that, I would like to see no more of the allegory. I get it. It's there. OK, but let's move on to different stuff. So um, that was one of the things I wasn't that thrilled with. But it's a, a minor complaint. It's easy enough for me to overlook it when I'm, I'm watching it. So
0: And I didn't feel like in this movie, like, until you guys said something, I didn't even think twice about it, although the fact that he was 33 year, years old, I did wonder. But I didn't feel like it hit us, hit me over the head um, too much that it distracted me from the movie. Because in all of it, the ways... It, all it the was way, just that... Yeah, in, in all of the ways, when he struggles, like there's nothing else that really parallels except for these few moments you see.
3: And it was done so subtly that... I, I didn't even notice any of those parts until you just mentioned them. But that blatant, like, look, I am a big blue Jesus. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I, I, didn't, smurf,
1: smurf Jesus. I didn't
3: need that. Yeah. I mean, he could be my personal Jesus, but I'm punched. <laughs> but I didn't need that. I, it just it popped me right back into reality and didn't let me And I, I, I had to I, I didn't have to struggle much to get back to get my suspension redisbelief. <laughs> but It was just, oh, are you kidding me? It was a grown moment. Well, I I did
4: kind of like the exchange with him and the priest, though. I mean.
2: See, that scene, I can't stand. he comes out of nowhere, and he never mentions, like, church or priests or religion or anything. For the entire movie, it doesn't come up until that one tiny scene. And so to me, it felt like it was completely out of left field and they were sort of forcing it to get this talk about faith in When I think it would have worked much better to have like a discussion with either uh, Lois or Martha talking about the exact same issue. Faith, especially Martha and what happened to Jonathan at the tornado, The the discussion about faith right there would have worked a whole lot better, I think. So that was one of my. Uh, biggest problems with it was that scene uh, in the church. I just it just didn't fit in with anything else, as far as I was concerned. Anyway,
0: I would have said that would even it, it, it would even fit it would even fit better coming from Jonathan uh, before his death.
3: There is a moment where where he's finding out who he is. I can't remember if it's if it's with at school when he's with his mom or if he's with Jonathan when he turns and said, "Did God make me this way?" So that was my first. You know, they're in the middle, they're in Kansas, they're in God's country. I, I had just put those two together without even thinking about it. And when he made that reference, it seemed, okay, He his parents must have taken him. So that was, he didn't have his dad to go to. So that in when you're raised very with some sort of religion, you're taught that the priest is the next person you go to. So that, because of my background, that made sense to me because it 's mentioned like seconds like he I think he was talking to Jonathan when he said, "Did God make me this way and that 's when Jonathan shows him the ship. Yes, it was with Jonathan
0: yeah yeah, you know and uh, i don't know when He realizes he
3: 's not a human being after all
0: that, that scene that scene in the church didn't necessarily bother me, but I, but I, but, I, but I agree, Jeffrey, it is kind of out of love field because we haven 't established any sort of relationship with a priest. Are a pastor up mm-hmm. to that point. And so mm, true. Um, true. It, it would have worked for me a little bit better if you would have seen them, if the question about the God make me this way is kind of paired with maybe that taking place, you know, them walking out of their church the Sunday before, even if we got a little bit of hint that there was a little bit of religion in his life, it would have made a little bit more sense. If they yeah. were and may, and maybe and who knows maybe there was stuff in the, maybe there's stuff in the cutting room floor that didn't make it in that would explain that but at least what we saw in the movie it did kind of seem to kind of smack you out of left field
2: although another uh, tie-in into the comics that the uh, the priest that he went to see is named after a priest that was in one of the comic storylines uh, it was like a 12 issue long story where Superman just talked to a priest pretty much for the entire 12 issues it was really not a good story but <laughs> um, it, uh, the priest had the same name as that. So it was an, a very obvious nod to to that bit from the comics. So
0: hmm. nice little bit of continuity. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At least they're tying it in. At least it's tied in. Mm-hmm. At least it's not totally outlined. Giving
4: bit. homage to,
0: you know, something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But that of course goes before he turns himself in. And uh so we jump back a little bit in the story of it.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So so he leaves the ship, he rescues Amy Adams from her falling uh Escape pod. Her, yeah, because her escape pod got shot and yes. Was damaged. Yes, so he saves her just at the last moment and uh, and drops her in a cornfield and then leaves. Mm-hmm. So uh, where are we at next?
3: <laughs> well, I just want to point out that that could have been a moment where if this was one of the crappy Star Wars movies, they would have made out. And I am so pleased that they didn't go all smoochy and there was just these little moments between them that were you knew meant something, but... They weren't, it wasn't all, you know, oh, you're so strong, and thanks for saving me, and I'm going to swoon, and you're yes, going to kiss exactly. me, and
2: uh Let's go and, and, fly and in the clouds. Yeah. My favorite moment between Let the two of them, Let me recite crappy is, poetry. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, why'd you have to bring that up? <laughs> uh, no, but I think uh, my, my favorite moment between the two of them is when they're about to go onto Zod's ship. And she just, you know, reaches out her hand, and he takes it, and they walk in together. That, to me, just sums up their entire relationship perfectly. You know, they are equals. They are in it all together. They go together. And to me, that, that moment alone, when I saw it in the, the brief bits of it they showed in the trailer, I was, like, flipping out. And then I saw it in the movie, and it's, it's like, my favorite moment of the entire, entire movie. I could just watch that bit on repeat for, like, two hours. It's just, I, you know, I I'm a Superman up. and Lois Lane fanboy, and I love it.
3: Hmm. I choked up, it was precious It was just perfect Okay, so he leaves her in a cornfield And then she finds a cop Yay! Um, There was, a couple of us were arguing Well, I wasn't arguing because of course I knew what was going on Um, Well, all of a sudden there's a cop there No, dumbass, something just exploded (laughs) Of course there's a cop there yeah. Um, and she saves. She goes to do her part to save the day, which I love that she was integral to saving the day.
0: Right. She yes. was.
3: She was. She was the key. She had the key and was the key to saving the day. It, it made her as much a superhero as Superman.
2: Exactly, and that's how she should be. Mm.
0: Yeah. So where does instead that instead
3: of squishy and. In ugly pantsuits.
0: We had to bring that up. Had to bring that up. Of
3: course. Please. Have you met me? Of course.
0: Where is, uh, so where does that leave us in the story at this point? We're now, are we at, are we at Metropolis yet or not quite? Um. No, I think that's where they start beating the crap out of each other through Smallville. Oh yes, that's right. Lock your doors and people are locking their glass doors to stay safe inside. Sure, that'll work. Yeah. <laughs> and
3: this this is where the the action and the exploding and the destruction really starts. It's the ramp up. And that this is where I'm hearing from a lot of people is where they 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 were done with the movie that Superman was just destroying things out of for the sake of destroying. He wasn't being as careful as he was in the past. He he, he wasn't See, being ginger just... about protecting everything. And 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 it's He's in the, he, someone is trying to kill him. Two someones who are as powerful as he is are are trying to squish him, and he's doing what he can to save himself.
2: Oh, we That's a very something?
3: human, visceral thing to
2: do is self-preservation. Well, he's not even just yeah. saving himself, though, because it becomes very evident that if he were to, not be attacking them. Okay, maybe he could go save five people from this building, but while he's doing that, they could kill, you know, 300 other people. So the best way he's going to minimize, you know, uh, anybody getting hurt is to just stay on them as hard as he can, and that's going to result in the least amount of deaths possible. So, there I mean, there is no other way. He couldn't stop in the middle to go, you know, save a couple dozen people and let thousands of others die. That just doesn't Oops. make any sense.
3: Sorry about your truck. Sorry about the gas station. Sorry, Seven Eleven. Which was prominently displayed several places.
2: (laughs) Yeah. And Sears and a bunch of other places. Yes, Oh,
3: product placement at Go-Go in this movie. It was unbelievable.
2: Oh, yes. All over the place. Well, that's also not without precedent if you recall Cheerios in Marlboro in the original Superman
0: movies. Oh, Oh, yes. Let's cater to kids and to adult smoking (laughs) all in the same movie. That's right.
1: Ah, uh, Flavor
4: this is, Country. <laughs> this is a slight rewind, but when, when first when Superman and, and, and Zod first confront each other, Zod gets um, sensory overload. He starts to be able to he, he hear. That everything.
0: happens in Smallville. Yeah.
3: Yeah.
4: Yeah. But you know, he but it, in the movie, you know, he just you know, I get, I get you know, his powers start to. Uh, I mean. There's no, tr- there's no transition. It's just it just happens right away. And, and when it first happens, it's it's a bit painful. I thought that was kind of cool.
3: Well, and then Clark decides to tell him how to how to fix it. And, well, all those sounds, you can't figure that out. Well, I learned early to just focus on one thing. Shut up! Don't tell him how to fix it.
0: Right? Exactly. He, as soon
3: as he said it, I knew, I knew at some point he would rip off that thing and just. And what did Clark tell me? I'll
4: well, just focus. Just focus.
3: Don't give him how to fix himself.
4: Yeah. Well, he's a rookie at this moment.
0: Yeah, he is. That's true. It is. Rookie mistake. When does Zod head up to, I don't know, to begin terraforming the planet? Like, how does he get from Smallville to that? I kind of forget.
3: Oh, I'm forgetting. But I've seen it three times I know I know that the ships split apart as soon as the smallville thing when they pick up um what's her name when they pick up Feora and okay. the big giant thick dude um they go back up, and that's when the ship splits and, and they go to the opposite yeah. end,
1: yeah,
3: which i is the coolest way I have seen terraforming in any kind of sci fi
0: that was pretty Fantasy cool. Fantasy
3: world. Changing the speed of the spin of the core of a planet. Awesome. Awesome. I, I got all geeky. I got all science geeky. Like, that should be in the Smithsonian. That's cool. <laughs> but it's not real. So no, shut up. No,
0: it's not real. But still, <laughs> it was kind of fun to see that effect. Yet. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> nice. But, no, I thought I thought that was well done. I thought that whole... Uh, the way they were began to terraform everything was very cool, and you saw like everything being lifted up and then dropped down. Poor, poor, poor New York. New York gets trashed in every single movie. Was that New York? Was <laughs> <or> that Metropolis. <laughs> Metropolis? Metropolis. Well, I know it was Metropolis, that's but it was Metropolis, New York. It was sir. New York City. So.
3: There was there were a lot of scenes that I remember from the Avengers. There were a lot of set, shots that were set up. Very similar to the Avengers with the same
0: building, well, you know. And I looked at that and said, you know. And so we were talking about the violence in this movie a little bit and how you know, everything's being destroyed. And you know, you may you think of Avengers and the way they tore apart the city they were in. Well, you know, this is. It was just. I think it's just reminiscent a little bit of the way superhero movies are kind of coming out, like death and destruction. Well,
2: it's not even without precedent. I mean, comic books are known for, you know, you get really super strong characters together, they have fight and the city gets destroyed. It's like a a trope of comics. It's happened so many times. And I even went back after um, seeing the movie because something struck me about it, um, specifically. And um, in the 90s, there was the the really famous um, Death of Superman storyline where he fought Doomsday and he died and he was gone for like a year and then eventually came back or whatever. But, um, There was nothing really like that at the time in comics, and I went and dug them out, and I looked at it, and I I even uh, took some pictures, and I I put this up in this giant blog post, but um, the fight with Zod, starting from Smallville all the way through to the end, is almost identical to the Superman Doomsday fight from those comic books. Um, It's not like shot for shot or scene for scene, but there's um, a diner, there's... Uh, a gas station getting exploded, there's a car used as a weapon, it goes through a department store, all of this in, like, a small town, and then it moves to Metropolis, and they're fighting on a construction site, and they're bouncing down the streets, you know, trashing buildings as they go, and so the people were like, you know, this is totally unprecedented. I'm like, no, this is exactly precedented, directly out of (laughs) Superman comic books, and this is what happens when you have people with those kind of power levels, and yes, again, he wasn't you know dashing to the side to go save people but I would like to ask you what time he had to do that and you know if he let off the Zod millions more people could have died so um, you know this is that's what superhero comic book fights are like and right. I think everyone was just shocked because we've never seen anything on that scale in a movie before and so yeah when you, you see it more than one comic book panel at a time suddenly you're like holy crap that's insane and yes it is and it was supposed to be you know so um, I yeah and I also don't think that many people, honestly, in that fight would have died. If you look, when Superman and Zod are, are in the thick of it, and you look at all of those buildings that they're crashing into and going through, they're all empty. There's nobody in them, uh, as far as I remember. I, I don't have a DVD to go check now, but, um, and if, if you, you can assume that, you know, probably some people started dying when they turned the uh, the world engine on, and and you know they started the gravity changing and everything, but. Obviously, then, people aren't just going to sit around. The city would have been evacuated. And Perry and, and uh, you know, everyone else the from intern. the Daily Planet were behind. But but <laughs> Jenny, the intern, yes, were um, <laughs> they're, the reporters. Their job is to stay there and cover the story. And if you look at everything else during the fight, I don't think you see any people anywhere. So I honestly don't believe that the loss of life was great in the movie at all. If they wanted you to think that a bunch of people had died, you would have seen, you know people in those buildings that they were going through and stuff. So, it, you really don't. So, I didn't have that much of an issue with it at all.
0: Yeah. No, I, I agree with you, and there was definitely a minimal uh, loss of life, as far as what you saw, at least, um, in that fight scene. It was, it was a great fight scene, don't get me wrong, in in the, in the fact that they, and how they did it, and in how they even, even the intensity of trying to stop the terraforming device with Clark's you know, ship mm-hmm. on, uh, that he arrived in Earth with. I thought it was kind of cool. Um, in the that was kind of the way, I guess, they, they kind of ended the fight. Uh, the, the one colonel
4: uh, had a good death scene. Well, first, you know, looks like um, Fiora was going to kill him. The one time she says, it's, uh, "A good, you know, a good death is its own reward." And then she boards the ship, and then they're about ready to crash into it, and he basically. You know, turns you know, turns it back on her and and se- says the same thing and um, and he and then
3: the Klingon. It's a good day to die.
4: Yeah. Yeah. So um, yeah. What 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 else I liked? What that character was at so one time? You know, he's you know about Superman. He goes this man is not our enemy. It's a little rewind there, but right when they decide to you know team up together to stop Zod.
0: I thought that was really well done too, mm-hmm. but. Um, well, we're, we're nearing, I have about, uh, we have about 15 minutes left. Where, 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 do we want to go in the next part of this discussion here? What do we have to talk about in the movie and anything else we want to touch on?
3: We need to go to the final scene with Zod. We okay. have to talk about that yeah, because that seems mm-hmm. to be mm-hmm. the linchpin that unleashes Pandora's box of anger yeah. with a lot of people.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about it. So uh, let's recap what happens in this scene. And then let's talk about why is this such a controversial scene? Who wants to talk about it?
3: Well, Um, Go ahead. So Superman's got Zod in a chokehold. They're in a train station. And Zod pretty much says, are these the people you want to save? Or do you want to save your own people? And he uses his heat vision to try and kill this poor little family of four. Um, who are huddled in this corner, and the laser vision's going, and Superman's got him in a grip going, don't do it, don't do it, and he keeps going, he keeps going, so Superman makes that dis- something happens, I'm not going to claim to know what happens, but something happens, and I jumped and screamed when it did, because I was not expecting it, but I kind of knew it was going to happen, and yeah. snap, there goes Sod's neck, and it's done, it's yeah. over.
0: And, and then, as Superman screams, right at that point, he, he does. Yeah, he does. He, do, he, do, he, he Seriously, he does the con yell at that point. But,
4: well, it's probably the, the first time. He... This
2: was the the thing it, that held me up the most about this movie for like a week after seeing it. I didn't know what I thought about it or, or how to feel, and I was just trying to to figure it all out. And um, you know, I, I I'm okay with it now. Because, well, there's a couple of reasons. First of all, I kind of see it like, um, you know, like a cop on the job, and they're in a situation where, you know, somebody's got a hostage, and if they don't shoot the hostage taker, an innocent person's going to die. And nobody ever wants to be in that situation, but sometimes people are, and they've got to do something about it, you know? And he made a, a decision, and yes, okay, Superman does not kill, and you people can say you don't have to kill somebody to learn that you shouldn't kill people but we also don't have the kind of responsibility or powers that a character like that has and i think what you'll see is that this is used going forward as the basis for his his you know no killing stance so i think very much especially probably like in the next one you'll see he's presented with a moment where he could kill somebody else and, you know, sort of take that quote unquote easy way. Now, I mean, it wasn't easy for him. And that was another reason that made it work is that it was obviously a very horrible, painful thing for him to have to do. And he, you know, didn't like having to do it. So I think it'll be used as that going forward. I think the movie could have used a little more time dealing with the aftermath of that, just an extra minute of him. Uh, afterwards talking to Lois about what he had done, because they cut to that really sort of lighthearted, funny scene with the drone, like, right afterwards, and that sort of really undercut the severity of what he had done. Um, I really would have liked a little more time there to let the impact <laughs> of that settle in. But... Um, yeah, and, and, and like I said, going back to that fight with Doomsday too. Um in that fight in the comic books, you had a very experienced Superman who killed Doomsday because there was no other way to do it and millions of people were going to die if he didn't. And this was the exact same situation, but with a you know, Superman who had no idea what he was doing. This is his first appearance, first anything he's ever done as Superman, you know, trying to sort of help people and save the world. So um when you put all that together, I, I thought it worked and especially if they use it in the future as his basis for that whole no-killing stance.
4: Jeffrey, I couldn't have said it better myself. That was, uh, I, I, I agree 100%. Um, I was totally I mean, it worked, yeah.
0: Yeah, no, totally agree. Yeah, I'm totally agreeing with that. And I agree, too. They they really did kind of trivialize it a little bit by focusing in on the drone thing. I also thought that was kind of a... Um, A nod to all the drone controversy that's been going on in the, what the recent year in the recent you know couple months here. Sure, of course, yeah. Yeah, so it was kind of a throw there, and then what immediately after that he gets a job at the Daily Planet, right? Pretty much, yeah. That's kind Mm -hmm. of where we end, and we get that, and we get you know, welcome to the planet, which has so many multiple layers to Hmm. it. That great line at the end.
3: I love that Lois knows who he is. I love that he doesn't... He's not alone. I love that they don't have to come yes. up with some stupid plot device like, I'm going to kiss her and she'll forget everything. I, oh. I I want him to have a buddy. I Yes. <laughs> I know. I, I want him to have... a. I want him to be... Par- you know, and if they... Who knows what's going to happen with them if they don't couple them up right away. Maybe they just don't click for a little while and they do couple up. I don't care about that. I care more about that he's got his human anchor again. That he's got that anchor to humanity that was there with him and will go forward. I, I like that. I, I had no problem with with the killing of Zod. Because you knew it was coming, you had to know it was coming. There was, there was just there was no other way out of it. There was no other way. And yes, it's different, but nobody said this was the same Superman. Nobody. There's. It's not. It's not absolute law. It's not like, you know, the laws of physics. This can change, and I I like the change. I it, I I agree completely with Jeffrey that this kind of sets up his place for the future. Yeah. And the drone thing bugged the crap out of me. It was oh, so you're trying to find where I hang my cape? Sh- wow, that's not topical at all. That's not. We don't have that problem. I don't <laughs> know why they're going after Superman. How rare for you to bring that up? That was it. It was that little moment of political. It was as if Michael Stipe wrote that little corner.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I oh, have
3: this I thing know, about uh, REM and how. <laughs> Everything is about politics with them.
2: <laughs> another uh, a little uh, comics nod, as you were pointing out, LexCorp and Wayne Enterprises before, the uh, the uh, military lady who you know says that she thinks that he was hot, she is a uh, character from the Green Lantern comics, I believe, which I'm not terribly familiar with, but her name was the same as a uh, character from there, so that just may be another tiny little nod to the fact that they're trying to set up their shared universe going forward.
1: Ooh, Ooh. Nathan Fillion. (coughs) (laughs) Totally
0: for it, totally for it.
3: Was that not subtle enough? Uh,
0: No, no, you need to be more subtle, um, Em.
3: I would like Nathan Fillion to be the Green Lantern because he is the only Green Lantern. I said it.
4: And and we're digressing a little bit. All right, listeners, discuss. Yes, yes. Did did you see the, the, the homemade trailer with Nathan Fillion as
0: Green Lantern? Yep. Okay. Yep, yeah, multiple times.
3: <laughs> Got it on my iPod. <laughs> of course, I do. Yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: what, uh, what, what else uh, in the remaining minutes that we have? Uh, what, what, uh, is there anything else? Music, cinematography, anything else? Acting that we want to talk about here a little bit. I uh, love truth. the cast, top to bottom. Music? Yeah, I think. Yes. Uh, I think. Uh, you know, we had commented. Uh, maybe not in this show, but we commented how you know uh, Russell Crowe really plays the same character in every movie. But again, I thought that it worked for this. He was a good. Yeah, he was great yeah. for real. Yeah, he was great. He was great for this one. Mm-hmm. I don't think there was a character that that came on the screen that I said, "eh, not working for me." Not really. I mean, unless you were really minor, but nothing mm-hmm. that really bothered me overall.
4: I, I think this is a great update of the whole Superman mythos, and uh, I look forward to Man of Steel two. Um, I.
0: Well, you know, they did what, – what this movie did was make it make Superman relevant to this generation. Right. And you, you really need is you know, well, that was one of the like, – what was it? Superman Returns. He was just too much of a good and pretty, pretty – he, uh, he was too much of a pretty boy and too perfect. He was a Boy Scout in, in yeah, in, in, in and, and, yeah. And, and we don't – we aren't looking for superheroes that are Boy Scouts. We want superheroes that are flawed, that struggle, and that's what we're getting in this Superman. But
4: I, I think still at the same time at his core – you know that yes he does have his struggles but there there is there inherent goodness in him that wants to do the right thing um that you know so I, I think that the spirit of who superman was is still here but it's just um updated maybe maybe a little more human maybe a little more realistic um to uh if, if you know for for today
2: oh i can tell you my one little uh idea about how he's not the only uh, other kryptonian out there oh yeah let's hear there that. is a um well it was, it ties into what i felt was the only plot hole in the movie which was how does he find this ancient twenty thousand year old kryptonian ship in the ice and there's a suit in there waiting for him that really bugged me and um so i was thinking about it and if you watch when he goes into that ship um there's like a pod that there's like a dead kryptonian in Uh, that they were like, you know, like a stasis pod that they traveled in. And there's one right across from it, briefly, in a scene right after that, that's open and it's empty. And if you notice all of the, the, like, Under Armour suits that they wear when they're on Krypton, they're all very dark and they don't have a lot of color to them. So why is it that his suit is, you know, brighter than those other ones are? Well, okay, it's on a ship that's from 20,000 years ago, so maybe their, you know, clothes were brighter back then. Uh, you know way back in the past the ship was that old and then there i found this prequel comic book that was written uh by a bunch of people including david goyer and it's deals with um kara zorel who is his cousin otherwise known as superman or supergirl sorry in most um uh instances of the story and she was the one who was the captain of that ship that was sent that he ended up you know, finding and that would explain then if she's from the same house as him why there was a, a suit in there for a man with his house symbol on it and uh, why it was you know, differently colored if it was that old and if there's a pod open then that would lead to believe that they're leaving a door open for Supergirl to be out there somewhere so I would also not be surprised to see her brought in at some point in the future
0: I think that would be cool and is that, is that why Again, that, 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 well. and that plays into the idea that you think there are other Kryptonians, uh, other Kryptonians around then, which is kind of what you said? Right, that. at least her. Because if, if the pod was open, that shows you that at least they're giving you the
2: clue that somebody got out of that ship and they didn't all die in stasis. And so if they were going to pick anybody and the prequel comic says that she was the one in command of that ship, then she's probably going to be that one.
0: So, Nice. Yep. Very good. Well, I I hope you're right. I would love to see that in maybe an upcoming movie.
3: I was very pleased, and it was worth seeing all three times, even though the last two times I used free certificates and didn't actually pay.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's, you know, it's one of the movies I'll definitely be— Worth uh, seeing in IMAX, yeah. BT Dub. Yeah, I saw it on regular screen and enjoyed it as well. I didn't see it in IMAX, but—
4: Yeah, I, I didn't see it in IMAX 3D. I just—regular.
3: Not worth seeing in 3D.
0: Not worth also in 3D. Dub,
3: but, yeah. eh.
0: but IMAX, just not 3D. Yeah.
3: Yeah, you don't need the 3D. Yeah. But in all encompassing, I was very, very pleased with this film. There are the, the little moments of really, but it was surpassed by the moments of holy insert expletive here. Amazing.
0: Mm. Very good. Uh, any last comments, uh, Jeffrey?
2: Um, no, I don't think so. If you, if anyone would like to read uh, my sort of in-depth dips- dissertation on the movie, uh, you, you can find it at <laughs> writertypepeople.tumblr.com. It's the uh, most recent blog post that's up there. It's really long. Watch out. There's even graphics and images. Uh, it's, it's like a, Ooh. you know, it's like my, it's my graduate thesis. No, well, <laughs> but it, it, it might read like, that. but we should put that uh, up but on the no website. i yeah i would absolutely love it i yeah. well, we'll i'm f- absolutely
0: thrilled with this movie we'll throw a link up on the website if you can just send me that link i would love to um sure uh, I'll, I'll, we'll definitely uh we'll we'll definitely promote it um are there any other sites or any other places that people can find out more about you and uh, your love of superman or anything like that uh well uh, no, that's basically
2: the main one. Um <laughs> I run a uh, audio drama production company that M has uh, done a whole bunch of voices for and in fact has a co starring role in a new show that's starting up in a few months um Ooh, that she's nice. already been sending in roles for. So um but you can check Jeffrey that out at found Pendant me. Audio he, was, he
3: discovered me.
2: Aww. <laughs> I I uh, so you he works for a lot us. of great people
3: yeah it was it was it was a wonderful wonderful surprise to find and it was actually the first superman movie that that kind of helped me find the fun writings and the and the interesting stuff um, that pendant does and jeffrey and and I get to work with some amazing people and put on some amazing audio drama that um, is linked on my site and definitely we should throw it up on the sci fi diner website really great stuff fun' fun stories stuff that's going to make you like some of it you can't listen to out loud you should have your headphones on <laughs> um.
2: yes we do have some adult shows that is that is true but yeah. well, one of which you have a very large role in so
3: yep. in many of on them me. unfortunately
0: yep. how did
3: that happen yeah, very
0: very good <laughs>
3: me and sexy dark shows no
0: never no never, but no. i
3: definitely check out the work on pendant jeffrey's Pulled together this amazing group of people and it's a pleasure to work with them.
0: Awesome. Well, thanks, Jeffrey, for joining us tonight here at the Sci-Fi Diner to chat about Superman yeah. and lend your expertise on the subject. Well, thank you for having me. Yeah. Dude, I told you he me, was you know, a guru. Anytime, yep, you, you were anytime right.
2: time people want me to... Lab about Superman. I'm, you know, I'm like, where, when can I pay you? I'll be there.
0: So. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Well, thanks for joining us. We'll have to have all, we'll have to have you on again sometime. It'd be my pleasure. Anytime. All right. Awesome. All right. Well, I believe that's about it. We should be wrapping up the show and getting out of here. Any last words, Em? <laughs>
3: Nope, I just got to go do my dailies.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. You do. <laughs> Guild Wars is calling. Guild
3: Wars. Woo-hoo. I know. I'm what obsessed. What level? What level are you it's at? Kind
0: of sad. What level are you at now?
3: Um, I have one character at level 80, one character at level forty-five, <laughs> one level, one character at level twelve. <laughs> oh
0: no! She, my, she, I, I know. I'm obsessed. Get out much to-
3: I haven't filled all five spots. I only have three characters.
0: Oh man, get working in the other two. You disapp- You have failed me I for know. the last time. So uh, those
3: are my words to the world. Do your right. dailies.
0: Do your dailies. Do your dailies. All right, Miles. Any final words?
4: No. Nope. Uh, man of Steel. Great movie.
0: Yeah, Go see it. Definitely mm-hmm. see it in theaters. And if you please rent it, if you don't get a chance to do so. But yeah. all right. Well, let's wrap up the show. Thank you so much for tuning in to this Man of Steel show. It's going to be a long one. That's all right. Till next time. Good night and that's- good luck. What are you gonna say, Ma? Uh, what are we gonna say, Em?
3: Oh, that's what she said. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, we need to get out of here now. Well done. All right, we'll see you. I
1: know. <laughs> good night. Thank you so much for visiting the Sci-Fi Diner. We hope you enjoyed the food, and the service, and the conversations. If you'd like to share your thoughts regarding what we've talked about or tell us what you're watching or reading, flip open your communicators and contact us at one 508 4343 or click the SpeakPipe link at scifidinerpodcast.com or send an MP3 or typed email to scifidinerpodcast at gmail.com You can also join the conversation on our Facebook fan page at facebook.com slash sci-fi diner we'll share your thoughts on our listener feedback show if you'd like to support the diner beyond the conversation you can always throw some coins in the tip jar at sci-fi diner podcast